Hey guys, welcome to YouthCast, a podcast run by three students for the youth and by the youth. On here, we aim to cover topics ranging from memes all the way to Donald Trump signing so a trade deal in China. In this podcast, what we actually want to do is we want to provide a platform for students around the world to express their views and opinions on stuff, as well as give adults who are established in their various fields, who we will be having on our show in the coming weeks, a platform to a platform to interact with students on a personal level i think that'll be really interesting not only for us but also for them yeah we're pretty psyched about this so on a rather logistical level we plan to make this podcast once a week during this period of quarantine slash self-isolation slash doctor and once things hopefully uh, resume in normal fashion we hope to make this once in two weeks and so on uh yeah so before we start i know what you're wondering who are we and what are we talking about so I'm just going to start. Hi, I'm Yaja. Hey, guys, I'm Swayam. Hi, I'm Samar. Yeah, it's, it's uh, Samar. Do you want to address the elephant in the room? And it's not Swayam. It's COVID-19 to everyone's surprise. Does anyone know what that is? Yeah, so essentially COVID-19 is a disease caused by the latest outbreak of uh, iteration of the coronavirus. And it's originated in Wuhan, China. The main characteristic of the virus is that it spreads very easily and in some cases uh, due to underlying health problems it may cause severe respiratory distress and due to it spreading very easily it, had caused, it has caused massive lockdowns and economic standstills in major countries and uh, increasingly high death I think toll. I think we're talking about this because it's honestly just had such an enormous impact on each and every one of our lives and I don't mean this, I think it means on each and every one of us, I mean by every single person in society, not just everyone who goes to our school or anything like that. For me personally, I've been impacted in a way that I haven't been able to go out in the last 20 days. I've been stuck at home. So this has left me resorting to going up and down the stairs when I'm bored and things like that. And for some people, it's mean loss of employment, mm-hmm. salary cuts and devastating effects on people's families due to people dying because of COVID-19. Yeah, I just, I think I just uh, jumped, inadvertently jumped on a very important point, which I feel like I heard somebody say, but I don't know, is that the reason we're talking about this is mostly because it's affecting the big countries, so to speak, because let's be honest, and I'm going to be brutally honest, if this happened, like Ebola happened in Africa, this, nobody really cared about Ebola, it went into the background noise, and it was Ebola didn't, Ebola didn't affect the entire world, it wasn't a pandemic. As to the scale fair, of the fair. coronavirus, but it the, yeah again since it's the 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 reach it it has had in main countries as Europe and like America and China etc. That is why it's playing such an important role, not just psychologically but also economically etc. So since I mentioned the virus originated in China, I mean that's what I'm saying. <laughs> exactly, that's what I'm saying. Sure. Everybody has their own theory. So what do you guys? How have? did it originate? Okay, so I believe, according to what I've heard is the main things I've heard, the two main things I've heard is A, that it originated in a wet market and it's had something to do with bats in Wuhan, China. And then another crazy thing I've heard is that it's actually a bioweapon created by the Chinese government in order to take down the world. Yeah, I mean, I- I'm going to be fair and I'm trying to be unbiased here, but um, I think there are certain merits to it. And breaking down the theory into the intention of why they would do this and also the logistical aspect of it, I feel like the intention is where I'm not so sure how it happened because it's 
it's very it's it's not only difficult to manufacture a bioweapon in the first place to, but to have a controlled or seemingly uncontrolled outbreak of it yeah. is where this theory falls i don't think china would have released the bioweapon in their own country if it really but i think i think what every has everyone concern is you never know it's china china is just always deferring from the global path right so i think people are scared of china they don't know much about china and there's always a lack of information involving china so people don't know what's actually That's going true. on one of the main reasons that the virus has got so bad is because of that lack of information yeah and i feel like china itself has like due to like maybe willingly or unwillingly has created this air of his like sort of hysteria around it and that that feeds into people believing even theories which have massive loopholes like this so the who actually tweeted this and i thought it was really interesting so they're saying not only is coronavirus a pandemic it's also an infodemic when people are sharing information <laughs> that's actually deadly to other people's lives so i thought that was pretty cool i mean like it's sad but i think the fact that they've coined the word infodemic is pretty yeah cool. i feel like that perfectly encapsulates every any any sort of thing you heard about the sad but it's also really cool so so if if it's not a bioweapon how did the coronavirus originate i mean from what we know or i would say from what we've been told is that it originated as why i'm said or uh, it, yeah from the bat in in some but the thing the, the only issue is that is maybe this is chinese government called or it is the other theory is that we haven't really found a so called patient zero or the first person that had this virus and that also creates an air of doubt because if you don't have the first person who ate the bat how can you tell that it originated from the bat in the but i don't think patient zero would come out to the world and say yes i ate the i started the corona virus <laughs> maybe that is a fair point i guess <laughs> no but oh the, the, this this goes back into yeah okay so i'm i'm going to move to a, a point i feel like is important is uh, a lot of people are addressing this about china since we're fixating on china for right now is that how it's sort of so called recovered from the virus and i feel like a main the main thing is related to that is the the infinite control that china has on its people and and that control being the data that is passed through the people who are interacting and the patients who have corona virus and tracking down the people they have interacted with and putting them into quarantine yeah. all of this if if anything they're using their lack of privacy very well Yeah, again, which is as why I'm said sad, but also <laughs> really cool. So, um, yeah, I feel like that's where I don't believe that they don't know what patients here, who patients here, because if they can track every citizen, I'm sure they can track this one. And I think I think the whole reason these China claims that it's it's it, it's originated and like it's a bioweapon from China, I think it's originated because of the lack of information being shared by the Chinese government in the first when the breakout of the virus originally happened we the general world didn't get to know about it till much later because china was supposedly abducting whistleblowers pe- condemning people who were tweeting about it and just doing all sort of things that stopped the spread of information right so when ideally when a virus breaks out international flights should be stopped then and there but international flights weren't stopped till just a month ago so i think that's in- another reason why the virus spread so fastly and so quickly around the world Yeah and I failed to understand there was a lot of misinformation especially from bigger countries like like I don't think it would have gotten this widespread in the US if there was actual control uh, methods implemented uh, initially initially when the virus 
initially when the virus came to the US uh, Donald Trump act- and other high ranking officials uh, actually said that the virus is similar to the flu and it's nothing to worry about and now look where that information is yeah i feel like them. that's a, a sort of i feel like that's that's a good good uh, turning point where i don't understand like some people make dumb decisions or from my standpoint dumb decisions and i can understand what rationale they were going with i personally don't understand the rationale donald trump was taking by sort of underplaying this virus to a certain extent where he said oh it's like the foo oh only 15 people have had it it's going to be alright and i just i just don't get it like <laughs> what are you trying to underplay Now, thank you since, since we're on the topic of donald trump um since we're on the topic of donald trump in the united states i wanted to get your guys views on the usage of the word chinese virus by him so for some people this is highly racist and specifically targets people of chinese origin even american chinese people who've been living there their entire lives but for some of his supporters and people in general they think it's completely justifiable because of the actions of the chinese government what are your take on this takes on this i feel like that's uh it's it's a sort of he's like trump is inadvertently or possibly he has no idea what he's doing uh, i feel like trump is trying to subtly exactly like either he's being subtly racist or he's being subtly like he's trying to sort of imply that china has a deciding role on the virus like this v- virus is because of china and i feel like that's a discussion a lot of people are also internally having whether to blame china for it or not but i don't think at this point we should be playing a blame game we should be yeah yeah, uh, yeah. playing the blame game after all of this and if we should even play that game yeah that, that that that's true because it's it's sort of i like will 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 touch upon this in the end again about how this if what effects will this virus have and what we should do after this virus ends so hopefully not have this again and i feel like that's another important point we'll have to touch upon again is to sort of understand how how this virus could potentially spread also so sort of make it okay so i, I think know, sort I of think... protocol basically to prevent a pandemic from spreading so how is india doing that good point since we have a first person perspective so i'm what, could you just briefly describe what do you think so from india, a while india now we've been under a lockdown and i think a lot of people have misinterpreted the point of a lockdown a lot of people i've talked to personally and these are educated people these aren't people who haven't been to school or anything right these are educated people and they're saying stuff like once this lockdown gets over i'm going to go to party so they think that when the lockdown ending and the impact of the virus ending are are synonymous with each other but that's that's not true right the it's i think the whole the purpose of the lockdown yeah. in the first place was so they can suppress the virus they can stop the spread of the virus as quickly as it is right now and in that time the extra time they get where the spread isn't growing so fast like it's definitely still going to be growing but maybe not exponentially right in that time they can buy medical equipment they can build tests they can order tests from different countries all of that stuff right they can get the adequate amount of hydrochloroquine they need all of that stuff i think that's the purpose of the lockdown which people have just misinterpreted and a reason for this misinterpretation is i think because of the leaders of our country not yeah. only the leaders of the government but also leaders of the opposition i think i think everyone's to blame in this especially the politicians i agree so what what you're trying to say is people think that uh, yeah, the you... end of the lockdown marks the end of the fight against what it actually means is the lockdown was just a method of buying time to gather our resources and the end of the lockdown actually start of the battle against yeah so i feel like it's Uh, it's now more than ever where leaders essentially have to 
be transparent and sort of compromise on like the, the sort of underplaying the wires to prevent panic and rather tell us the truth and i feel like i disagree irrespective with that. Of, Okay, well, let me just finish my point. Yeah. I feel like, irrespective of how literate or illiterate people are, if they understand the nature of the virus, they can instead sort of work with the government instead of sort of rebelling against them. And they like they've been done wrong when, let's say, the the prime minister ends the lockdown and then enforces other measures that prevent people from uh, completing their lives. So the situation fashion. in India is pretty terrible right now. Yesterday we had more than a thousand cases. new cases appeared in the country now we've crossed over 10000 cases overall in the country and this is worrying for me as a child right i don't know what's going to happen with the future of my boards i don't know what's going to happen with my parents jobs it it's uncertain times and i think this worries all of us but in these times we have found a bit of light as well in the form of hilarious whatsapp messages that some people find to be true now we're going to be doing a small section of this podcast we're going to be reading out some of these whatsapp messages which i thought were actually hilarious and now mind these educated people are circulating them because they believe them to be true and some of these are just going to blow your mind and how stupid they are yeah so i feel like we should start off with the best i'm going to i'm going to address the the sort of the mainstream fake news that has been spreading which is that you can you can essentially solve again this is i feel like fake news itself is a wrong word because this news itself it depends on how you take it or interpret it for example like like the gomutra while we do make fun of it on haldi ka doodh which turmeric <laughs> milk which samat will touch upon later is is a, is a very good nutrition like it has very good nutritive value but it obviously won't solve a virus like a vaccine would and i feel like that misinformation again during these times is very lethal where people are relying like i literally saw a video of two men bathing in poop feces yeah and and oh, wow. a news reporter addressed this and they genuinely believed with like determination in their eyes that this is going to cure them from the virus and okay i'm going to read i'm going to read a, a message now the 5 pm clapping modi asked us to do is extremely interesting someone i know who studied astrology and knows how to correlate this with science says this at the time the moon is passing to a new nakshatra called revati the lighting of lamps which was actually done a few weeks ago in order to show respect to the doctors fighting on the front lines the lighting of these lamps will align with the stars and actually cause the virus to go away i i thought this was just crazy how people are forwarding this so easily i i feel like it's also like this conversation i had with one of my friends earlier and it's it's the thing is you irrespective of how insane it sounds you, you since you are on the same side you right you want it to end i feel like that also plays a role in you wanting to believe it and it took it comes just comes it builds up and it just comes to a point where like you actually think it's true i guess so but i honestly i just have trouble believing this is another one i I have trouble believing that people believe stuff like well it's true and i feel like irrespective of how we can slate our media or news that don't do a pretty good job they have done a pretty good job of showing people believe and whether they're propagating it or they're trying to negate it is a separate question but i have seen multiple incidences of a message that i saw was that uh, if you goggle turmeric water or haldi water Oh Jesus Christ! After you contract the virus, so this is after you have been tested. You will kill the virus in your throat before it reaches your stomach, 
and prevent the virus from being digested. <laughs> wow. Oh god. Okay, now we're okay. just it's just like a highlight reel at this point. Another one I read was that okay, so basically a few weeks ago, we all went to our balconies at 5 p.m. on a day and we started clapping in order to show respect for the medical workers of our country, right? Okay? And so after that, I saw this message This is a very smart move by Prime Minister Modi. The ultrasonic vibrations created by the clapping of hands will cause the virus to burst and erupt. Great move by the Prime Minister. Now I assure you, this was not the Prime Minister's motive when he was doing this. Oh God! Oh God! Ooh. Yeah, Sam, did you have anything to say? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, just recently, about half an hour ago, I've I just saw a picture from Mumbai's Bandra. where migrants are demanding for permission from the to return to their native states and this is a large people and uh, we'll put this picture up on our instagram but wow like this stuff is happening after the lockdown has been extended in one of the in one of the hotspots for this virus in our actually so i think i think people yeah. are just afraid at this point honestly like they want to get back home to their families and i think they feel that If 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 I have to meet ten people for this one hour, I'm okay with that. If it lets me get back to my family, irrespective of the risk I'm causing not only to myself but also to others. Yeah, I feel like here I think it's an important point to discuss the sort of like I feel like there there have been no direct negative effects of the orders that a prime minister has like proclaimed nationally. But I feel like the fact the stuff that is not included, that's the stuff that is causing the real trouble. Yeah, as you mentioned, the major migrant problem. the like a lot of people don't know this but the finance minister has issued a lot of uh proclamations to talk about like the division of food the rationing of food yeah. during these times and i feel like they're we're not spreading the right messages in the sense that the said the the messages we're spreading are okay like they're there to provide like emotional support but what people need more now is practical stuff because everybody's as i am said being directly or indirectly affected by it okay so now that you touched upon the financial aspect of it i wanted to ask both of you a bit of a philosophical question you're a small business owner you're an entrepreneur okay and now since the virus comes you can't really conduct your business the way you would and you're suffering heavy losses okay at this point do you decide to fire your employees somehow maintain the business or do you still paying them and hope that the best happens what would you do if you were in the place of this small business owner i think it depends on what the financial status of that small business owner because if that small business is actually doing well and is able to retain its employees even if it then i think he should continue to uh, he should continue to pay his employees but if if that's going to compromise on uh, whether he can run his business after this pandemic passes I don't think he should do that. Yeah, I feel like it's a it's a balance between so what what people are not I wouldn't say understanding but people don't realize this enough that there is going to be a time after yeah. this irrespective of how bad this is there is going to be and you need and I feel like that business owner in my opinion they should think about that also because the moment you fire these employees You're gonna have the moment to you make these employees cards, after that Exactly. And I feel like it's uh it's it's as much of a decision on the business owner part as it is on the employee part because not only are is the employer suffering from this but also the employee because the job markets are going to be stagnant for at least a year now because since country companies are making layoffs the, these unemployment rates going to go through the roof as it has in the US. so i feel like there needs to be a good connect between since it's a small business there needs to be a good connect between the employer and the employee to decide 
Okay, that's pretty interesting what all you're saying. Um, and I think what a thing I've noticed is that a bigger problem than the virus itself is the effects of the virus, right? And I don't mean the direct effects of people dying, contracting the virus and dying. It's the economic, social, all of those effects of it, right? So people not being able to watch their favorite sports to for which money is, is a source of joy and happiness to the fact that people are having to shut down their businesses or their economic status is suffering a lot, then especially daily wage workers like auto rickshaw drivers, taxi drivers, all of them, they're the ones who are actually suffering. So a bigger problem than the virus itself, according to me, is the indirect effects the virus has on the world around. Yeah, because the major factor here is the fact that the the only sort of uh, preventive measure we have at this moment is to social distance and stay at yeah. home. And a lot of businesses are people-oriented or are brick-and-mortars that are dependent on people coming to them rather than them going to people. And I feel like that's where the issue lies. And I feel like there is there is a silver lining to this. It's not all bad. We're going to see a lot of people, a lot of companies realizing that they can run remotely to a certain extent. And that will lead to less offices being built or less number of people required to be in that sort of set space which will eventually lead to some sort of decrease in the, the pollution levels because you'll have less cars on the road, et cetera, et cetera. So I feel like there's going to be leaps in remote technology and virtual sort of systems. I was also reading that uh, India is going to allow industries to have their factories to start manufacture uh, certain essential products that we're eventually going to run out of. So we've talked about who's going to be in negatively impacted by this virus, right? We've talked about daily wage workers, taxi workers, brick and mortar stores, but we haven't touched upon, and I don't think this has been touched upon a lot, is the people who are actually benefiting from the virus. Now, there are going to be a few corporations, and then there's also one giant entity which is surprisingly benefiting from this virus. Um, I'm going to tell you about that later. First, I'm going to list down the Mm. corporations which I believe and the industries which I believe are greatly benefiting from this. Um, There are obviously video call services like Zoom and Discord, which we're actually on right now to record this podcast. And many, many such other stuff like that, right? And then there's obviously Netflix, Amazon, all of them are also greatly being having revenues as well. But at the same time, the people who I believe have had the most positive impact after the virus has left their own country is the Communist Party of China and China in general. Now, they've they've had a first, first move advantage, I believe. So right now, they've already overcome the virus in a kind of oh, way, okay. right? Because the virus never inf- affected major cities of theirs like Beijing and Shanghai, right? It was only Wuhan and the outskirts of Wuhan major, majorly that got affected, none of the major, major cities. So they have a first mover's advantage at this point, and they're ramping up economic production and production of goods and services at an insane rate right now. They're, 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 they're exporting billions of dollars yeah. worth of medical equipment to different countries, some of which have actually sound to be faulty. So they're sending faulty medical equipment to Europe and many other such things. So they're actually booming. Their economy hasn't been suffering at all. So the, I thought that was interesting that even though some may say they're responsible for the virus, they're the people who are actually benefiting the most. On a, on a more direct level, I, f- I don't know how much I agree with you. Maybe the facts will convince me. But uh, on a more direct level, I feel like personally, uh, online learning services like co- online courses, uh, even YouTube courses to a certain extent. I feel like that also will people real people will realize the importance of that. For example, in in comparison to other options of higher education like colleges, 
I feel like during this time we're going to see a lot more appreciation and realization for how much you can literally just study at home, and how much of the money you're spending in college is really worth it. Yeah. Okay. You talked about college. I want to talk about that for a second. Do you guys anything have to? Do you have anything about how colleges will be impacted by coronavirus? Colleges, college admissions, college in general, college life and stuff. So I obviously it's it's pretty unfortunate how the how the way stuff has turned out, especially for people in their last year who had to, who had just a month to spend with their uh, fellow classmates. But I feel like one important thing, and this is just my opinion or I, the way I think that stuff is going to work out. I feel like colleges itself, but rather the job placements after colleges will be drastic due to the the unemployment rate going through the roof and stuff like that. So especially I feel like. Samit, what do you think? See, I agree with Yajat, but uh, speaking more about India per se, uh, entrance exams like uh, IITG, those have been cancelled, and I think more than placements, uh, people getting admissions into such colleges will be uh, worsely affected. Because I have I have a lot of uh, I know a lot of alumni from our school personally, and uh, I'm aware of them getting placed earlier. Not not even this year. Earlier last, through the personal experience of the people that I know, uh, I think uh, the entrance into these into colleges that require entrances are getting uh, more affected, more badly affected than job placements. So I think exams in general, personally, are we we all are in tenth grade now and in eleventh grade, our boards haven't been happening right, so they're postponed indefinitely. And this just leaves all of us uncertain, as well as the SAT. Two of the SATs upcoming in the yeah. future months, though theirs have been cancelled. An ACT. Even uh, I, I'm giving the AP. Yeah, I'm giving the APs in May. I'm giving two APs on psychology and EBS and online test. The AP well. exams. And I think they're going to yeah, be open. We don't actually have to go to us. So I think that's going to make a huge difference. And I've heard a few colleges are just not going to accept a- SAT and ACT scores next. And fall 2020, which is the next admission cycle. So I think it's definitely going to have an impact so on think, everything in our lives, right? So yeah. not I only think, is it the economic I think if it shows thing, anything, but also colleges that, as well. Uh, this this pandemic has not only affected adults; it's affected people of our age as well. Yeah. So I feel like it's um, so we've we've talked about the the sort of. Um, indirect, long-reaching impacts, but in the direct impact, since we've been in lockdown since, I said, twenty-third, twenty-second of May, there there have been a lot of trends on social media and like activities that people are sort of taking part to feel like this they're still living that usual life. So, have you seen any sort of these weird activities? Well, yesterday, Yajat, I was actually a part of a Zoom party where we celebrated someone. Oh yes, yeah. Um, I thought that was pretty cool and interesting. We were dancing, and it was like it was like we were together. And honestly, we are dancing in front of the screen all alone with low music. But I thought that was interesting. I think it's just a good way of bonding overall. Yeah, I feel a lot of uh, what I was sort of referring to. And it's good that you brought it up. But a lot of these trends in social media to sort of um, connect everybody in any minute fam, uh, such as such as. People tagging each other in Instagram stories, draw carrots, to draw potatoes, the to post pictures of themselves. I feel like all of these a, activities. Quite a success, yeah. Yeah, it was quite a movement in our school and community, actually, in our local community. I believe uh, their slogan was, was to post. We're in lockdown. We do be staying safe, though. 
promoting positivity through meme culture spreading positivity through the meme culture yeah so for people who don't go to our school what essentially the go corona go challenge was you had to post a picture where you look terrible you look bad and you had to tag it and say hashtag #go corona go and now this go corona go line was taken from a local politician who chanted go corona go for a solid 5 <laughs> minutes and hope the virus would go and this is on national oh, television is quite uh, the event it is truly a wild time <laughs> so yeah uh, since school has been conducted like another point i wanted to talk about is that since we're all uh, sort of taking part in online education because our 11th grade has and in sort of provisional manner so do you, how much do you think do you prefer online education do you prefer zoom classes or any sort think- or Do you feel like there's an advantage? I think it depends on who is attending these Zoom classes because I know a lot of classes that I've attended some of them have actually been very productive but on the other hand there's a lot of classes that are being constantly disrupted by people playing music people angry. so I think there are two factors the teachers and the students they both have to work out in order for us to be productive on Zoom Yeah because I feel like the teachers also need to give some space it's, to the students yeah. even when you're in school it's not all 100% productive right yeah you need to you need to sort of keep that element of fun because at some point it just becomes the normal How do you guys think it, it's going for the for our juniors better. for people in primary school I feel like they're not feeling it as much as their parents are because it's re- I think for them it's a free vacation for a solid 2 months because at that time there's not that much academic yeah so but for us I feel it has a bigger impact yeah possibly but it's also the the parents because the parents are trying to juggle their sort of virtual class as well as keeping these yeah. people engaged yeah I mean we can attend these virtual classes ourselves we know how to operate our devices yeah. know how to access some most so, most of our parents have most of our parents are both working Yeah. So I don't know how that's running for them. So and I think another interesting thing is how the younger generations are being imbibed with technology all around them. For me, I personally I didn't own a phone till I was 14. I didn't own a laptop till I was yeah. 12. I didn't even have a Gmail account till I was 10. Now these children at the age of 6, 7, 8 they're having Zoom classes online where they're learning simple addition and division and stuff like that. which i think i think so there there they have to use technology and i think it's becoming an integral part of their lives at such okay, a now that now that we've interesting now that we've established so i am at a very sad childhood uh, <laughs> i just like to go on to yeah sorry sorry sam something you're saying something <laughs> yeah so speaking about zoom uh, there was i think a couple of days ago there was fears of data leaks on the platform and apparently 35% of zoom fear data leaks and yes. uh, just yesterday uh, there was an article by verge there was an article by business rider about uh, zoom routing their free that haven't and are just using the 40 minute free trial uh, they're routing these calls through china so i feel like uh, it's a it's a matter of it's a it's a it's just a general matter of a con- company not being able to upscale properly because i feel like zoom while they obviously might have aspired to be a video company of such scale i don't think they were ready or they obviously didn't know that this i don't think they predicted this so i feel like for them it's a sort of a volatile time where maybe they haven't upscaled properly so they haven't 
run their encryption services properly or they may be, they may have been contacted by larger authorities and sort of i don't know overplayed so i feel like and that's actually why companies like Elon Musk SpaceX have actually banned their employees from using zoom yeah so i feel like again one of the many ever reaching impacts of this it, we're going to have leaps in virtual technology as i've seen i i think i've read about people actually attending virtual workspaces where every where the company sort of provides for vr headsets and it creates a sort of simulation for at least an hour or two that you're actually working with other people to maintain sort of sanity in certain sense of people living alone okay so now i think we're coming towards the end of the podcast but before we do that i want to talk about the political aspect of this virus now this virus has been highly politicized right more than the elections i think the virus is just something that's ever looming in politics right now whether it's the fact that in, whether international relations between two countries one example of this is trump he said that india would have to face consequences if they did not give them hydrochloroquine which is a drug that is used to combat malaria and has found to be effective in combating covid-19 in some cases if they did not export that to the us they would face severe consequences from stuff like that which people have looked as trumbling india the stuff within the country within india that is that modi government is not doing enough about this stuff like that so i feel like again they they are all the sort of conflicts that are we we are seeing in such times sort of uh, just overlies the the main like problems in the sort of system we have and they really they 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 really they reveal questions which i feel like are very important for us to prevent uh, this from happening in the future and the question being what is the priority that a person running the country should have should it be their people over the other people of the world and i feel like once you answer that question or you try to answer that question you really see the problems that we are facing i honestly think that's a trick question like is there's no right answer to the question i think you just have to weigh the evil of both sides and see which one is comparatively less you have to choose between the lesser of the two evils because either you can condemn like so for example india makes 80% of the world's hydrochloroquine right so because we have had a case mm. high cases of malaria in the past so we have that stockpile right yeah. so i think i think it's up for the government to decide whether we need to help the world out in this time or do we need to stockpile up because it is going to hit us sooner or later so i think it's just choosing between the lesser evils at this point yeah I think- so i feel like since again as why i'm sorry we're coming to the end of the podcast i feel like it's just poetic to talk about when do you think this will end and how do you, what do you think the everlasting impacts of this virus will be just in a concise manner um i don't think anyone can really tell us when this pandemic will end it all depends on how our research teams actually find a cure um so i read this i sure some i see the next few years going just towards recovery i do i don't see us progressing i just see us going back to the way we were so uh, an interesting thing i read about was this thing called herd immunity right so i think that may be one out of the virus one out we can get for this virus is herd immunity where so many people in the population have got it that they can no longer act as carriers since everyone has so i thought that was interesting um i don't know if that's actually going to be yeah, effective so, though but do, my main won't theory. herd immunity yeah won't herd immunity also affect uh, won't won't it be like fatal towards those that yeah uh, so i feel like so two things are there one is that in my response to herd immunity i feel like herd immunity the 
it's a last resort sort of yeah because because when you talk about herd immunity you mean basically that everybody has to get it so that you can't if, spread if it further there's no prospect of containment i can exactly. see us going for herd immunity but otherwise i don't think basically till we create a vaccine i feel like that's just a lot of last resort yeah but i feel like what my only fear is the is the way that sort of sars and mers which is the previous coronavirus in 2003 or something the yeah. way they were handled i feel like that's what my fear is i feel like my fear is that we're going to forget about this and if 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 we forget about this we if another thing pops up like this it'll be exactly the same situation again the way i would like to think about it is the way south korea has handled this where south korea had a case of mers in back when it happened and the reason south korea has handled coronavirus so well is because it already had measures in place from the last time it fought a fought a pandemic and i feel like that's very important so, yeah i don't i don't think the world is ever going to forget about it because see sars and mers didn't affect the world on such a large scale but the rest of the world wasn't really affected by forget by forget about it i don't literally mean i mean that in in the terms of action yeah, i know i get it for example like in the parliament if somebody suggests a bill or uh, sanctioning a certain part of the budget for let's say medical expenses all of that suddenly people will now prioritize the current current problems over these problems because they're in I the past i understand that but like yeah, swayam yeah. mentioned that we have a very up- so uh, i think things like that are going to be uh, more touched upon by the by the future governments of our not just our country i think any country well so i think i think one well, thing I'm that ba- we're going to see is increased medical spending in country maybe they're going to budget but i definitely think there is going to be more medical spending in at least in the next 5 years maybe after that people won't take this so seriously and it'll be a thing of the past but i think at least within the next 5 years we're going to definitely see an increase in medical spending and i think the public being more paranoid and more receptive to technologies that will help them in this well on that optimistic note i think we're coming towards the end of the podcast um so yeah that's been our first episode um please if you want if you did reach till here uh please and if you like this uh podcast please uh, forward this and like this and we'll we'll be sharing this on spotify and itunes and we hope to in the future put a youtube channel out there for people to see follow us on our instagram handle cast_ yeah. and yeah we'll see you guys next time good job guys see you guys Bye. thank you